0: Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless you for this day. You've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in. We are so glad for you, Lord. We're glad for the presence of God in our lives. We're glad for the healing power of God in our lives. We're glad for the love of God in our lives. And we're so thankful, Father. Father, I just ask you to take over in this service, to speak through me, Father. Give me what you want me to say and and allow me to just Harmonize with your spirit today, the utterances of God, and we thank you for this privilege of being in your presence and hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. We're going to continue talking today about <clears throat> God's um, healing love, and we really talked about the extreme love of God and how much he does love us. Um, I think that's one of the, the hidden, I think the hidden uh, truths of life is how much God loves us, how much he is directing our steps. He's speaking to us, leading us, guiding us. He's orchestrating things in our lives for good. He's helping us to live a better. Uh, when we say better, that means more holy, uh, more sanctified, set apart from the world. God put us here to succeed, and success really means that you have to be in the will of God. There's no success outside of the will of God. Uh, There's no success on the fringes. Amen? Got to launch into the deep, get into the depths of God. The good thing about God is he understands us, and he knows that many of the things that are, are strange to us are a little frightening. Sometimes they are a little threatening, and sometimes we just don't know if God's told us something or if he's leading us or not. And, you know, he gives us time to get understanding, clarification on everything. He will explain to us. He will tell us. He will instruct us. He'll give us that knowledge over and over and over again. And that's a wonderful thing about God. He is full of the fruit of his own spirit. He's full of love. He's full of goodness, patience. He's full of of, uh, mercy. He's full of faith and faithfulness. And so everything that, that we need somebody to be to us in order for us to know that we're loved, that's God. That's who God is. Um, he has a standard. His standard is righteousness and holiness. But he understands how to teach us his ways and how to instruct us and how to lead us in the right way that we should go. And And that's such a blessing. Uh, there will never be a love in your life like God. I can tell you that amen and I was married to a, a human husband, but he was a good man and he was a loving man and uh I was acquitted of all charges don 't look at me like that <laughs> no but anyway uh, but uh you know it, it I I had what I would call earthly standards, a good marriage. You know, we had good understanding. He eventually got saved, and we were able to share the things of God. But I can tell you hands down, God loves me so much more. And it's from that foundation of God's love, then, that you're able to love other people. And you're able to share your life with them. You're able to have peace. You're able to have success. You're able to have hope. And encouragement, you're able to go from day to day and, and know that God is with you. You know, when I, uh, much younger, before I knew the Lord, I had a nervous breakdown. And God was able, just through finding God in the Bible, he healed me. He showed me who I really was. And I realized the devil had lied to me all my life. You're no good. You're stupid. Who do you think you are? You'll never be able to do this. I know you all hear those voices. And so uh, when my marriage began to fail, it was kind of like it all added up. Well, I am a failure. You know, I can't even keep a, a husband and marriage together. And so it was in that place that God found me and began to reveal his truth to me, where I thought I knew everything. When I, you know, when you're in darkness, you think you're real smart. You know, you're so stupid, you can't even, well, you're so stupid, you think you're smart. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what darkness does to us. But God found me and began to reveal himself and his love to me. When you know you're forgiven, when you know you haven't done the right things with your life, and then that knowledge of forgiveness comes to you, that is the greatest moment of your life, amen, where you know that you walk away from bad experiences, a bad past. You walk away from your faults and your shortcomings, amen. Uh, For me, I walked away from (laughs) that patient I left on the bedpan with. (laughs) I mean, you walk away from anything. <laughs> Nurse Williams, no, I ain't coming back no more. I'm saved. So, praise God. Amen. And God just brought me into a whole new life. Amen. I never thought I'd be a minister. Amen. But that was part of the new life that God had for me. Who knows what your new life in Christ would be? Amen. And so we're we're here to understand these things and to know these things and today we're going to talk primarily about God's extreme love. Amen. God has a love for us um that that he it's a sacrificial love. In John 3:16, It says, for God so loved the world. He loved us so much. When it talks about the world, it means everybody in the world. He loved us all so much that he sacrificed the life of his only son, his only begotten son, so that those of us who would believe in that sacrifice and the power of it could take on new life. So really, Jesus gave his life up so that his life could multiply in the lives of so many other individuals who would believe that he was the way to salvation. And so when we understand that and we understand that God bought us out of a life that was killing us and leading us in the wrong way, he made a purchase that paid for all of our past mistakes, present mistakes and future mistakes so he gives us a free life that we can now freely live for him and that sacrifice is the ultimate in love because nobody's going to sacrifice for you the way god does amen you might have good good parents and they make good provision for you but there's something the parent is going to want one day and there'll be a decision do i keep giving my kids or do I do something for myself sometimes and so but see God has nothing like that in him everything in him is giving it's not taking and so he's a giver his spirit living in us is a giving spirit it's a loving spirit it's a spirit that wants to do good that wants to bless uh, that's not selfish it's all of the things that that love says it's it is and it's supposed to be. Who isn't amplified? Anybody got an amplified? Anybody? All right, give me a phone, but don't give me more than one phone. I just need First Corinthians thirteen because it's so it's so enriching. Thanks, Miss No. So enriching to know. Ooh, this picture is no. <laughs> ah. All right, so love for others growing out of God's love for me. So when you love other people and it grows out of God's love for you, primo. Amen. See, if we just love people the way we think we're supposed to love people, we'll fail every single time. That's why we get sick of stuff. I'm tired of doing, it. I'm tired of tired of doing, it. that I'm tired comes out of your own efforts to do the job that God wants to do through you. See, when God's spirit lives in you, when you're born again, his spirit lives in you. And you need to let him live through you. And when he does that, it'll shock you the wonderful things you think of doing for people and could care less if you got anything back. See, this is the whole thing. The love of God wants to invest that love in others, period. Not looking for anything back. I know it's hard, (laughs) but it's possible. And it's really not that hard when you think about it, because God will start to prompt you to speak certain things to people. He'll start to encourage you to say certain things to people don't pass up an opportunity to obey that loving guiding voice inside of you that is is able to shed that love out to other people so his love for others growing out of god's love for me then if i only if i don't have that uh you know i'm a just a big noise i'm a distracting noise amen but it says here in verse four Love endures with patience and serenity. It's, it's kind and thoughtful. It's not jealous or envious. And, and what I can say about love enduring with patience, it just means that God, love will cause you to be patient with people even when you're frustrated at the way they behave. and And not complain while you're doing it. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's extreme. It's extreme. And it will take you to extremes. I was, uh, when I was thinking about back in the day, my girlfriend Jan isn't here. I usually say, am I right, Jan? (laughs) Because we've been friends for for many, many years. uh, Always uh, over 30, 35 years now. And she's known me since I was a new Christian and wanted to shoot my husband because he wouldn't get saved. <laughs> as though it was totally up to him but i would call her, i said jan you better hold me down i'm getting ready to do it now this big one's coming up already well see if if you endure complaining and you endure being short with people and wanting to kill them and being impatient you're not that's not the love of god and so i had to learn how to let god help me to endure course i lived off of her prayers for me for a great while but uh you know what i'm saying you got a friend they come to you they bail you out but but it was one of those things where i needed the extreme of god's love because i was in extreme situation that needed god's love to make it right you see what i'm saying and not make it right just from my point of view like I've been wronged and i'm I'm entitled to this, or I'm entitled to that, but to to be made right means that God is able to help me to be the way He would be in my current situation. and And that's the ultimate. You've got to pass the God-likeness test. You've got to come through these things like God would come through them and you have to cease complaining you have to cease feeling like a victim you have to cease feeling like you do everything and they do nothing you know that kind of thing those thoughts will come to you but you don't they're not true they're not god and and you know you don't have to entertain them you can be peaceable you can have you can just sail through these things without any speed bumps in the road because God has undertaken for you and you know how to let him be in control. So love endures patiently. And when I say endure, people may do some things that are wrong, that are mean, that are unkind, that don't help you. But love will help you to endure those things patiently without complaining while you're going through. Love is not jealous or envious. Amen? You see something that looks good on somebody, you run out to buy it. That ain't love. Amen. Come on now, y'all. Amen. Amen. Love does not brag. It's not proud or arrogant. It's not rude. Amen. And it's not self-seeking, one to put yourself forward all the time. Amen. Look at me. Look at what I got. You know, saints get crazy with that kind of stuff. Even when we claim we're giving a testimony about what God did for us, we can make ourselves the big person in the testimony. No, we ain't got nothing without God. And it does not, it, love is not easily provoked, sensitive, or easily angered. Mm-hmm. In other words, love don't just go off on people. Huh? Oh, they better not get on this. Oh, they got that nerve, that nerve. But they not, not better not touch this one. They get my last nerve. I'm going to go off on somebody. You know what I'm saying? That ain't love. Amen. And it doesn't take into account a wrong done to it. Now, how many of us can't wait to tell somebody what somebody did that wasn't right? Here? Well, you don't know what they did to me. Huh? See, the love of God forgives instantly and doesn't even take it into thought or into account a wrong done to it because everybody does somebody wrong and everybody endures some wrong. If we didn't know how to endure wrong patiently, we'd never have relationships with people. You just go through life just ignoring everybody and, well, they did this. See, this is what, where, where, uh, homeless people, this is what, what, uh, causes people to be homeless. Because if you talk to any of them, you'll find out here's a person that never learned how to forgive, never learned how to, to seek, um, uh, harmony with people as a goal in life. You can make goals like that. You know, not to get everything you want, but to learn how to p- live peaceably. Why, why isn't that a goal for people? And see, they fall out with people and they run from the mom to the aunt to the, well, you run out of relatives to go let them, you know, they let you live in a room in their house or in a basement. You're going to be out on the street with a shopping cart. And you'll find that that is a common story with many homeless people. Now there's some of them now that lost a job or lost, you know, they fell upon what we call hard times. But most people, they are the hard time in their life. You understand what I'm saying? Because they they give everybody a hard time and they look for a hard time. And so if we can learn how to just accept the love of God and let that love live through us, let that love motivate us, control us, and help us. To not be this kind of person, to, to always think about something wrong or to be overly sensitive. Love does not rejoice at injustice. You know, when somebody, something wrong happens, bad, something bad happens to somebody, you get excited. I knew they was going to get it. Now all of a sudden you're a prophet too. Amen. You double wrong. Amen. It, but it rejoices when good things happen. It it rejoices when the right things prevail. Amen. You know, if you see a brother or sister in the Lord that God is blessed with something, be happy for them. Don't be envious. Amen. Amen. Because the same God that that sent his son to die for them sent his son to die for you too. Amen. Find out what he has for you. He has good things for you as well. But see, you got to go God's way to get it. A lot of people don't want to do that because they think it's going to take forever. But God blesses us so quickly to make head spin. Amen. So love bears all things. I mean, it, it's, you can say puts up with if you want to, but it's so negative sounding. Amen. But love doesn't just reject people the first time they do something you don't like. Amen. Love isn't ready to point out people's faults all the time. Or, or call them to have to, to give an account for themselves, you know, like like we're the judge or something, you know, like you're the standard bearer. You don't know what God's doing in that person's life, amen? And it's not our business to always go around pointing out people's faults and flaws and correcting them and telling them they didn't do this right or that right. That's the devil's job. Quit doing his job, Amen. <laughs> we're supposed to exhort and encourage each other because we're all going to the same place and we're all serving the same god and we're all fighting the same devil so we might as well band together in love and encourage and exhort one another so love believes all things in other words it is looking for the best in everybody so i believe miss avis is going to make it to heaven and on the way she's going to take many souls with her amen so that's believing the best for her you know i'm not going to tell nobody well, who don't even she can't pray for a flea you know ain't that wrong don't they even sound wrong that's not even a nice thing to say about or think about somebody amen but it'll shock you what goes through people's heads sometimes and then we entertain that so love doesn't entertain them kind of crazy thoughts it believes the best for everybody i think god has i believe god has a good future for everybody in here and he will bring you the things that you desire he'll bring you everything that you desire into your life period amen you're not exempt from receiving the blessings of god amen it hopes all things and that means it remains steadfast during difficult times you don't waver when you walk in love and it endures all things without weakening amen want to quit want to give up i can't do this no more amen now i've said that many times in my life but i grew up and i I yielded to love that was inside of my heart amen Love never fails. Amen. It never, so here you go, Miss Noah. When you apply love into all your situations in life, you will never fail at anything. Uh, people say things like, well, you know, um, I forgive, but I'm not going to be a doormat. Huh? You hear people say, or oh, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Well, forgiving is forgetting. Amen. God will take a big eraser to your brain. And start rubbing stuff out. Why should you walk around with a bunch of grumbling in your head and disturbed and everything where your peace disturbed? Love helps you keep peace and composure within yourself. Amen. That's why God died for us to live like that. He didn't die for us to live with a bunch of enemies, a bunch of um, discouragement, not wanting to get up and do anything because we don't think it's going to work. That's not love. God gave us a future and a hope, amen. He knows the thoughts that he has for us, and they are all good, amen. So God wants us to live that great and that good life. He wants us to be able to be free of the shackles that used to bind us and used to hinder us. Your best friend is your Bible, because you will find who you are in those pages, and you'll find that God really does love you. He's, he's taken all the old stuff away, all the weaknesses and fears and doubts, all those things, and he's given you confidence, power, love, and a sound mind. So that's our inheritance from God, and that's how he wants us to live. Amen? So yesterday we gave a couple of examples. I think we did the woman with the issue of blood, and we talked about God's extreme love for her that allowed her. To receive healing after being sick for 12 years. Amen. She had spent everything she had going from doctor to doctor. She wasn't any better, but she had rather gotten worse over the years. And then she finally heard about Jesus. And she kept hearing about him. See, that implies not just here one time. You know, oh, that's, that's wonderful. You know, it's like we do when we find something we enjoy. You, Meditate on it. You think about it over and over again. You begin to plan around it. And I think that's the wonderful thing about meeting God in the Word. You can plan your life around what you read about God, about the good things that you read about God, about His power, His love for us, His promises, what He promises to do for us. You can start planning your life around that. And that's what the Bible means when it says meditate in the Word day and night. It means to continually walk around thinking about it, mulling it over, thinking some more, mulling it over some more, letting your questions be answered. And I think the woman, this woman probably heard about Jesus and she began to consider that maybe she could be healed. And I think that's where he meets all of us. When the first time we begin to understand healing, our first thought is, maybe I could be healed. Maybe I don't have to live like this forever. Maybe I don't have to have this limitation. Or maybe I don't have to be on pills all my life. Or maybe I don't have to consider that maybe that could be me. And then she went to from maybe to there's no reason why. That can't be me. And she began to think about it some more. And she began to realize there were some obstacles in the way. See, there's obstacles to everybody's path to God. But the people who are determined and the ones who have faith and know how to use that faith will plow through those hurdles, will not let the hurdles stop them, will not let the consideration stop them. This lady was considered to be unclean, which meant that she could not be around people. She could not sit on somebody's furniture. She could not be around, especially around men. She definitely couldn't go to church, couldn't go to the temple because she was, her body was oozing blood. And so she had to understand that all those obstacles were there, but when faith came into her heart, those obstacles kind of got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. See, all her life, those obstacles kept her going to doctors and avoiding the priest who really had the power to pronounce health on her. But she heard about Jesus, and he was a different kind of a priest. He wasn't like the ones in the temple. He was anointed with the power of God, to do good. And when she heard about Jesus, I know she heard that because he preached that everywhere he went. He told people, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. To preach good news to you. To heal people who are sick. To help people who are broken hearted so that they can take a new lease on life. He said, I have the power to do that. See, when you're anointed, that means you possess the power to do those things. And this is what she began to hear. And the things she heard about Jesus were so powerful that they drowned out her past as far as her sickness was concerned. And brought her into a new day. See, it's wonderful when God's word and your confidence in God will drown out your past drown out your history drown out the doctor's report drown out the prognosis drown out how long they say you have left to live it'll drown all of that out when you start to believe god it'll put you in a whole new different realm of living and so the woman she she heard about jesus and she made up her mind that she was not going to take no for an answer See, the doctors always told her it was a possibility. But when she got there, she didn't have a healing waiting for her. She just had a big bill and was getting worse all the time. So that's what the doctors offered her. Jesus said, I have power to make you well. And even with all the hurdles in her life, the more she thought about it, the more the Holy Spirit, through his love, began to reassure her that she could get her healing. And she made up her mind. She said, you know what? I can't go up to him and ask him to touch me because I'm unclean. The minute I say unclean, everybody's going to scatter. She said, but you know what? If I get in that crowd where he can't detect me and I can touch his clothes, that's where the power is. Amen? It's a Bible truth. The power is in the clothes of the anointed. Amen? I remember um, remember our friend Jane over in Michigan. <laughs> I had visited a church. She was a member of that church. And I think she what she told me um, in years since then, she said, you know, she said, until you visited our church that time, she said i knew god had called me to ministry she said but they made fun of me and they ridiculed me and they told me the pastor told me i wasn't called and and maybe i should try doing something else you know and she would she would pray for people and the power of god would come upon her and she would begin to operate in the different gifts of the spirit and and they discouraged her from doing it and she told me she said and and what i did when i went there i went there with another minister this woman was preaching and but she asked me she she was sensitive to the spirit and i was sitting on the pew next to her when she came came back to her seat and she asked me she said you know if the lord's giving you something for somebody just go up there and and say it and so i did and i called this woman out she's a little lady that was ridiculed and i began to prophesy i don't even remember what i said but at the end of it i took this coat that i was wearing i always wear a duster you know when i preach and so um i took it off and she fell under the power and i put it over on top of her and i left it on her and she said she said i was she said i was lost in the spirit for three days after that she said i laid on that floor for at least an hour she said and after i she said i was drunk in the spirit for three days and she said that for years after that she said she said i kept that that coat of yours she said and if we would have problems in the house i would tell the kids would say mama get the coat mom get the coat she said and while we'd get it and put it on we would pray and god would give us miracles you understand what i'm saying it's the power of god that's in what we wear if we carry the power of god amen and so who knows the people to get saved from your clothes you give to goodwill I mean, you just don't know. And so God's always helped us with that, doing special miracles. And we we lay hands on the prayer cloth when we have it in the healing school and cut it up and send it to people. And the power of God's on it, and people report they get better, they get well, they get healed. And so it's a good thing to have that. And so the woman with the issue of blood figured that out. All those years ago, over 2,000 years ago, she had that revelation. The Apostle Paul did the same thing. They would bring aprons and handkerchiefs for him to lay his hands on, and people would, would get free from demons, and they would get healed through, through those cloths that were transferred over so that people could receive that healing power. And so whenever you're at a distance from somebody who can pray for you, that's an opportunity to get your miracle anyway because God wants to. His love is so extreme. And his power so extremely wants to help us. He will even let his power reside in a piece of clothing so that somebody who picks it up and puts it on can be healed. Amen? Amen. And so many times, you know, people, uh, you know, if if I give you something that I've worn, it's not secondhand. Amen. (laughs) Or anybody else who's anointed, it's not secondhand. It's a gift of God. I remember uh, when my late husband was having some uh, oral surgery, he had come down with diabetes and they did some implants, uh, dental implants, and it was taking some time to heal. And um, when I, I talked to the dentist about it, I said, well, I said, we've been, he's been doing everything and we've been praying. He said, I don't know if it might be his diabetes has made him slow to heal. And so I I was going out to a meeting out in California, and uh, um, what's his name Peter Youngren? Yeah, Peter Youngren. He was Canadian, eh? <laughs> he was preaching, but he's a miracle worker. Amen. Definitely multi multi miracles <laughs> in his ministry. Amen. And um, he was preaching that day. And he had a handkerchief, and he kept wiping his perspiration with it. And I kept looking at the handkerchief. And he kept wiping perspiration, and I kept looking at the handkerchief. And uh, you know how some of these meetings are. They usher people in and out. They don't want them touching anybody, looking at So it was one of them usher them in, usher them out situations. But his wife, was it Roxanne? I think, yeah, Roxanne was, um, she stayed behind. And so, and she was standing at the altar. And so I saw an opportunity where the ushers wouldn't hit me with a cane or something and trip me up and, you foul person. You know how some of these bad ushering situations are. And so I just, in my heart, was asking God to make a way for me. And I went up to her, I said, I said, Roxanne, I said, I got a dilemma. I said, my husband's slow to heal. He's having oral surgery. I said, can you get that handkerchief from Brother Peter for me? And she said, yeah. And she went, and about five minutes later, she came out with the handkerchief. Amen. And I put it on my husband, and he, God healed his mouth so he could get his implants. You got me? Amen. God will do those things for us. That's extreme love, folks. He wouldn't see me. Why would I be in a place that my husband can't be there or does even doesn't want to come? I don't know what the situation was. But he can't be there, but I want him well. And he wants to be well. Amen. And so God will do those things for us because He so loves everybody that He wants us to be well and to be healed. So the woman with the issue of blood devised a plan by the Holy Spirit. Amen. She kept saying to herself, you know what, I'm going to get there. I know I can, do, I can get there. And if I touch, that's where her faith would be released. In touching the hem of his clothes, she didn't have to be made a big deal of. She didn't have to have him come to her house or do this or do that. She would go to him. Just like she'd always gone to every other doctor, but this time she knew that she would be healed. And she was healed after touching his garment. In Luke 7:11 7, through 17 we see one of the sovereign moves of God. Amen. Now, God moves by our faith. We can initiate our own healing. We can initiate our own salvation. We can initiate anything that we need from God with our faith amen but then there are some situations where it's not clear if anybody's faith was involved in what happens in these things and those are wonderful things um use them both don't just sit around and wait for god to come to you with a miracle or a blessing use your faith to reach out for it so that god knows where you are he knows you want it and he knows you're believing him and that's really all that needs to occur for god to help you so in in luke 7 verse 11 it came to pass the day after they went into a city called nain and many of his disciples went with him and many people now when he came near to the gate of the city behold there was a dead man carried out The only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Don't cry. Jesus' compassion came because, number one, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of compassion. But the other thing is, the Bible says that he knows how we feel. He knows what we experience because he lived in the flesh. He lived in a, a human form. And so from that, living like we do, he's able to know how we feel. And then he's able to have the exact uh, right response for us. Amen? Amen. You know how sometimes people are trying to help you and they're drawing from their own knowledge, own experience. Well, if they haven't really been in your shoes, or if some people have been in your shoes, but they're not you. But see, God knows how to take our place in those things. Amen. He can stand there just like we would and have the proper answer every single time. And so, and the other part of it too is that he knew that his death would leave his mother uh, bereft of a son as well. And so he's reaching out to this woman in advance of what his, his mother would experience. And it says, and he came and touched the, the bier, and they there that bare be, him stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, rise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he gave him back to his mother. And there came a fear. Oh, I guess so. Huh? we go through a funeral home and start getting people up. A lot of people would get scared. Amen? And he says, a great fear came on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us and that God has visited his people. And so Jesus did it for for the reason of helping this mother. That was number one reason. Many times people think, well, God did that so that he could show them his power, show him. God's not a show-off. Amen. He's very secure in who he is. When he says all power is given to me, that's what he means, and he knows he has all power. So he doesn't go, go around just popping people up out of caskets to show everybody how powerful he is. Amen. He would have to be a really crazy human to start doing that kind of stuff. But God is a God of love. Everything he does is motivated by love. So he's not showy. He will, he will confirm when he's working. He will demonstrate his power. He will reveal his power to people. So everybody can know that God did this thing and that it, they will know that God will do it for them too. So he does it for a good reason, amen, not a, a, a foolish reason. And so God raises this woman from the dead and returns uh raises the son returns to his mother he probably goes on through life as a testimony you know the man who was raised from the day oh yeah the you're the miracle man you're the you know he had a reputation from then on out amen he was able to take care of his mother because she didn't have any support in that culture women didn't just go out and work amen they could do some things but generally It was part of the family business when a woman had an occupation. And so you see here, he restored this woman's livelihood, restored her son that she loved very much, her only son, and was able to bring uh, joy and gladness back into that city. Uh, In John chapter 11, I think, we have the story about Lazarus. It's a story of God's extreme love for this family love for humanity god is so loving he doesn't look at who you are what you've done what you didn't do the mistakes you made and if you're smart you won't look at that stuff either amen when you go to god is make sure that you confess and repent ask god's forgiveness and then stand in his righteousness again stand justified before god when you're justified, it means he'll give you anything. Man, like he says in his word, ask anything in my will and I'll give it to you. Ask me anything that you want and I'll do it for you. Ask me anything. And if I don't have it right away, I'll make it for you. Ask me anything. I'm not limited by uh, resources i'm not limited the way people are in the world you can ask me anything and so uh in in uh, john 11 let me see where do we want to start this is kind of a long story in verse one it talks about lazarus being sick and he was in bethany with his sisters uh martha and mary and they sent to jesus to tell him Come, come and pray for our brother. He's very sick. Uh, so we don't want him to die. And so when Jesus heard, in verse 4 it says, When Jesus heard that he, the sickness, he said this, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So he's saying, God is going to be glorified. Now, there are people, and I've heard this saying in some of the denominational churches, Uh, When people don't really believe God will heal people and say somebody in the congregation was sick and they prayed for him and and they passed away, you'll hear a preacher get up and say, well, death is a kind of a healing. You ever heard that? Yeah, because you've been in a better place. But you get in some of these crazy places and they'll tell you death is a kind of a healing. But that's not what you get from this scripture. Jesus said, not unto death. God is glorified when a sickness is not unto death. Amen. He's, they, you don't pray for people to die. You pray for them to get healed. They can die without your help. Amen. If you want to help somebody, pray for them to get well. Everybody who's sick wants to get well. So Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, where death would not bring glory to God, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified in it. Amen? Now, when Jesus says glorified, he does not mean I'm getting a pat on the back and I'm getting anything out of it. When God is glorified, that means that his power dominates. And so what he's saying is, this sickness is going to wind up working out to cause my power to dominate over this situation. That's what glorified really means. That means that God will come out the champion in this thing. That's what glory is. Amen. The word glory means heavy, weighty. God is the heavy weight in the situation. And he will be the final man standing. He will be the victor in this situation because this sickness is not unto death. And so it says Jesus loved Martha and 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 mary and lazarus but when he heard therefore that he was sick he stayed two days in the same place where he was now he could stay two days because he's already spoken what's going to happen he stay as long as he wants to once god has given you a promise Once he has spoken the answer to your situation, it does not matter how much time goes on in between, it's going to happen. You just hold on to the faith and it will happen. Amen. And so he says, he said he loved him, but he stayed two days. And after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And his disciples said, you know, the Jews have been wanting to stone you down there. you going again? And he says, <laughs> he says, I got work to do. Amen. Amen. So let me handle my business. Amen. And so he says, are there not 12 hours in a day? He says, if any man walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if a man walks in the light, he stumbles because there's no light in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus is sleeping. But I'm going that I may awake him out of sleep. He's not dead. In other words, the condition he's in is not his final condition. What he is is not terminal. I let him sleep for this period of time, and I'm going to go wake him up. Amen? So, if he, if he, they consider him dead and they embalm him, they in, in, embalm the man that was just sleeping. You got me? Amen. He just looked dead. And he says, when, <laughs> he says, when his disciples said, verse 12, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he had spoken I'm just resting in sleep, and now sleep ain't sleep, I'm talking about one sleep, you talking about another sleep, so Jesus said plainly, okay, y'all, he did all right? you got me to confess it he said, and for and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there, in other words, yeah, he did, and I'm glad. jesus don't be so mean oh don't be so rough don't be so unkind the kind people are taking the casseroles to the funeral huh if unkind is going to get you to get somebody up out of that that grave then you got to be that you understand what i'm saying you got to be a little rough and a little tough in this life in order to get a miracle so he says And I'm glad I wasn't there for this reason, because I'm going to elevate your ability to believe. I'm glad it looks real bad, because that means I'm going to elevate your faith. Yeah, right. I don't hear much rejoicing. Am I right, Poppy? Did I read that right? That's right. That's what I thought. Amen. Jesus is glad for them. He says, I have more to prove than just healing people. I've got to teach you people who are going to come after me and have to raise the dead. I'm going to have to teach you how to work in that power. So while Jesus is performing miracles and helping people, he's also teaching his disciples how to do the same thing. Amen. And so it's like, wake up, guys, and pay attention because the biggie is coming. And then said Thomas, he says, he says, uh, I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. To the intent that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go to him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Well, shut up, Thomas, because you ain't even on the right page. Huh? Thomas, no, he don't mean nothing about dying with nobody. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the grave four days. Now, Bethany was near to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs, and and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary from Jerusalem to comfort them concerning their brother. So, here we got the grief party going on. Then Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went out to meet him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, now she fussing at him. Lord, if you had been, you late, where you been? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you'll ask of God, he'll give it to you. See, this is what you call double-mindedness. It's like, Martha, please, go sit down, okay? Go make some pies. Go, you always worried about feeding people. Go feed some folks. But I know she comes up with this religious answer, that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Well, if Jesus is there right now, why'd he come now? If he's going to get up on the last day, why, you know, why is that relevant to you now, Martha? This man is here right now. Why do you think he's here? He's not here now to raise him up on the last day. He'd be there at the last day and leave him in the tomb. And he's certainly not there to hear you fuss at him. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection. You're looking at him. So what do I look like to you, Martha? Chopped liver? I'm the resurrection and the life. I got it all. I've been telling y'all for years, I got it all. And whenever you come to me in faith, you can get everything I got. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she goes back into religion. Yeah, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of the God, which is coming into the world. What's that have to do with anything? And when she has said that, she went her way. You no, know, she's trying to sound like she really knows something. She doesn't even pay any attention to anything he said to her. Religious people never do. They just hold on to their crazy ideas. You can come in, in the door with miracle work and power and laying hands on everybody, and they say, hmm, who she thinks she is. Hmm? You should see the looks people give you sometimes. Huh? <laughs> they say, "Oh yeah, you're a mighty woman of paste and flour," you know. But they don't want you back anymore. You heal too many people, and you you know certain atmospheres. You won't get invited back. That's why I do my own meetings. See what I'm saying? It's, you don't have to invite me nowhere god gives me a permanent open door and she said to him i believe you are the christ whatever and when she said that she went away she saw she wasn't impressing him so she said well maybe i better shut up and just and so then she went to her sister mary secretly and lied and said jesus said for you to come and talk to him as soon as she heard that she arose quickly and went unto him now, Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but he was in a place where Martha had met him. The Jews, which were uh, with her in the house comforting her, when they saw Mary, that she arose hastily and went out, they followed her, saying, oh, she's going to the grave to weep. Now, this is what they did for like 40 days in Hebrew culture. That that was the specified days of mourning. Amen. Amen. Um, Even if God did a miracle for you and released you from the grief, you had to mourn anyway. Many times they would hire people who would sit in their place and mourn for them. Amen. Professional mourners. Amen. And so, I mean, because you just couldn't do it for all that long period of time. You wore out doing that. So they go to comfort her. You know, you had this big crowd of people running behind you, weeping with you, and so forth and so on. And so when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. So they measured how much you cared about somebody by how much you cried. We don't do that anymore. You weep with those who weep and mourn with those. You will do some weeping and some mourning when you lose a loved one. But that's not the measure of how you felt about it. Amen? Because God can heal your grief. Some people, He does it almost immediately. Amen? He does it it says he he says and the jews said behold how he loved him and some of them said could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died see there's nobody there with faith for him to get up out of the grave everybody thinks it's too late already that's why jesus probably is travailing and groaning in his spirit because he's the only one with faith there, your faith very often will cause you to do some intercession for certain things to happen in the earth and so many people believe that Jesus was travailing and groaning, giving birth anew to Lazarus to come forth in the earth again amen so and it's behold, behold how he loved him, and some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of blind? caused him not to have died jesus therefore again groaning in himself came to the grave it was a cave and a stone was laid on it and he said take away the stone and martha the sister of him that was dead said to him lord by this time he's stinking for he has been dead four days jesus said to her did i not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where he where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank you that you have heard me, for I know that you hear me always." So Jesus says, "I know you hear me, but there's people standing by here that don't know that." And he says, "I want you to do this that they may believe that you have sent me." And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came out, bound hand and foot in grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. He was not decayed. He did not stink. People did not run away from him. What did Jesus say? He said, He's not dead, he's sleeping. Amen, when you're dead, those things are true of you. you do decay. When you're dead, sleep people can get up out of a grave. Dead people can't do it. Amen. they got to wait till the resurrection. If Jesus doesn't agree to hold them in life while they're in life, then they do die. But when they heard Lazarus was sick, he said, "This sickness is not unto." He's just going to go to sleep, and he's going to wait until I get there, and I'll raise him up. Amen? Jesus holds everything that we believers believe for. He holds it in life within himself. That's extreme love. He keeps us held inside of himself and keeps us from decay, keeps us from death, raises us back up again keeps us uh, he will keep some people he does keep in sleep and then he raises them up you saw that with the um the uh woody man's daughter the ruler of the synagogue his daughter and when he came in to raise her up he says she's not dead she's sleeping this sleep thing occurs over and over and over again in the ministry of jesus where he's heard about these people and he hangs on to them and keeps them over on this side so he can raise them back up again. Amen. If they were dead, they'd go over into eternity where they can't be retrieved again. Amen. And so when, when he knows that in, in Jesus, there have been people that have said, well, you know, I, I went to heaven and I saw this and I saw that and God told me to go back. Well, they were in sleep. They weren't dead. Amen. Once you cross over, you cross over. They hadn't. Once you cross over, your body changes. You, It gets glorified if you, you die in Christ. And so that change had not happened to those people. They were held over on this side, either because of their faith, their prayers. Somebody's been praying, God will come and raise them up. Amen. And so their soul and their spirit will go back into their mortal body. And, and he raises, because he is the resurrection. His resurrection power in him and so he knows that he can release that power back into their mortal bodies whenever he wants to and so that's the condition that these people are in there's several of them in the gospels that were in that sleep condition and then jesus came and touched them and brought human life back into them again amen made their bodies function again like the young boy that was in the casket he sat up and began to talk he didn't need a convalescent period. Isn't that amazing about people when, when Jesus raises them up, they, they go back to normal immediately. It's not like, you know, well, three days you start, I felt a little bit better, and then on the second day I got up, I had some food on us, and some of them, he said, bring them something to eat right now. To show that they were 100% whole. Amen. So there is a difference when God's supernatural healing power comes into us. And it is an extreme power. Amen. It shows you the extreme love of God. Jesus would not let Lazarus' family be bereft of him. Because they were expecting him to come. He always came when they asked him. And he had to delay it this time for reasons other than what related to them. Got me? Sometimes you think God's just putting off stuff in your life. You want it to happen right away. Sometimes he's, he's delaying things for something besides what you're concerned about. Amen? See, we think, well, you know, I'm suffering, Lord. I'm hurting, Lord. He takes your pain away. He takes the symptoms away. That diagnosis may hang over your head for a while, but he takes all that discomfort away. Amen? But there's sometimes something more important, something bigger he wants to do than to give us immediate blessing, immediate comfort, immediate, you know, whatever we're looking for. There's something he needs to show us and work in us that only... Uh, a long you know causing our faith to causing us to hold on to our faith for a longer period of time can do so don't ever get discouraged when you're in faith learn how to encourage yourself in your faith encourage yourself to stay in faith encourage yourself i always say if you hang on and it's going to be today one day it's going to be today today is the day for your miracle If it doesn't come today, get up tomorrow and say, today is the day for my miracle. If it doesn't happen the next day, get up the next day. Today is the day for my miracle. Because today will come. At some point, today will be today. Amen? Because God does not disappoint us. So stay in faith. When God is doing something in your life and you're believing God, keep believing. Don't quit believing. People who quit believing wind up being bitter. They will backslide. They quit trying to even serve God. You know, they've been too disappointed, I guess, in too many areas. But the problem is they refuse to pick up their faith and continue to believe God. They feel like if they just reject the whole thing, they feel more powerful, I guess, or feel better. They should feel really stupid. But they might feel that that it's better for them, you know, if they go ahead and do those things, and so when we understand what God's doing and we understand how God's moving, then I think what we'll do is be able to have a better sense of how to carry on in faith, how to walk in love and stay not disappointed, not not cast down and discouraged. But faith is very, very encouraging. When you expect God to do something for you and you expect that promise to come to pass, you are an encouraged person. Amen. So don't let go of your confidence. Don't let go of your encouragement. Don't get let go of that joy that you feel anticipating the good things that God's going to do for you. Don't ever let go of that and go sink into the depths of disappointment. Amen? With the other unbelievers, uh, the other naysayers. Just stay in that place of faith because God will come for your faith. One day he will show up. One day it will be today. And that's the day that God shows up with your miracle. Amen? So in John 4, if you'll turn there, I think that's the nobleman's son. There's so many instances of miracles for people. Okay, so here uh, in in verse start in verse forty three, I think it is. Now, after two days, he departed. That's Jesus there, and went to Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Ain't that the truth? Then, Or with his own family, amen? Family, I, I would say this, family begins to understand you after a while, but not too much sometimes, but they, they be trying, you know, they be trying. But, but you know, it, usually God sends prophets with messages elsewhere because people just look at you and think, well, that's so-and-so. Yeah, I know you. you used to, ain't you the one that used to dance on the top of the table i still i still do for god if i get up there amen (laughs) i'm still dancing tabletop Huh? got all my clothes on doing the holy dance that was free yeah i still do praise the lord Amen says <laughs> so Jesus testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Then, when he was come to Galilee or city or town, not United States country we're talking about where people know you personally, knew you back in the day. You know what I'm saying then he was when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So my understanding of where this guy lived was, you know, for them to get there would take a whole day. It was a day's journey to get to Capernaum from Cana. And so when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for his son was at the point of death. So if this man knows that his son is close to dying and he still has faith that there's time to get him healed, Jesus begins to honor that faith. Amen. He will honor that faith. He doesn't care how close it is to the end. He honors it. And when Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So he had to put a different idea in this man's head to get his faith to work. So he lets, Jesus lets this man know that seeing things is not going to work here to to give him faith. You got me? The days of God proving he can do something are over. We're going to have to start to believe without seeing anything. Just take him at his word and hold on to that word. And that's what Jesus is proving in this gentleman. Not because he's mean to him and could give him a sign and a wonder anyway. But Jesus knows that somebody who has to see something to believe, Is not going to get a a sick son healed who's a day's journey away. So Jesus starts to elevate his faith. See, many of us get discouraged and want to quit, and all God is doing is trying to elevate your faith. He knows that little pocket change, chump change faith you're running around here with thinking you can believe for miracles ain't going to get it. And he's the only one who knows the quality of our faith. Trust me, if your faith was of a quality where it could pull it in right now, he'd do it. Many people will receive, start to receive things from God. And because their faith is shallow, they push away from it. Because they're in the, I got to see something mentality. And so God has to let you. Go for a season without seeing anything in order to stretch your faith up to the level where you can receive what he has for you. By faith. Amen? By faith. Many people in, in our healing meetings, there's enough power to, there to get everybody healed. But people won't believe many times. They they are slow to believe. They're slow to want to get engaged and involved. Many people come to church and think, just sit through it and I can go home after you know, a certain period of time. You know, many people are not as engaged as others. And so when, when God sees faith like that, he has to work with your faith and bring it up to a, a different level. So here Jesus tells this man, he rebukes the level of faith that he already has. But what he does is he allows him to come with that level and then Jesus is going to build that level up to a higher level. And so because he needs it at a higher level, if that son is gonna live. And so that man puts himself in a position where he has to commit himself to see it through just like God tells him. You know, you faith really commits you to see it through until you get what you believe in God for. You have to see it through. You can't quit, you can't walk away, you can't give up. And so the nobleman said to him, Sir Come down or my, my child will die. Jesus said to him, go home. Your son's alive. Amen. Go home. Your son's alive. Now can this man believe that? That's the whole thing. See, the man comes to, to Jesus with one idea in his head. And that's what we have when we first begin our, our, our prayer and believing god and desiring certain things from god you got an idea already in your head for how this is going to go jesus through his word has to put a different idea inside of us in order for it to come to pass the way we want it in other words your idea ain't gonna get the job done your vision of how this is going to work out is not going to get it done there are a lot of people that that well, God called me to this ministry, It's wonderful ministry, and it's good, you know. And they, when they get to church, then their job is, is, you know, vacuuming after the meeting's over. And they saw themselves preaching in front of tons of people. Huh? Well, God just had to put a different idea in your head about what ministry is. Uh, it's not entertainment. Do I look like an entertainer to you? Don't answer that. Let me take a sip of water. (laughs) Ask a crazy question, you get a crazy answer. Uh, I heard, who said that? Look like mom's Mabley. I heard y'all back (laughs) there. Shame on you. All right, so anyway. But God has, whenever we come, the faith that we have, initially oftentimes is not up to the desired the needed level to get that promise through so most of your efforts after that will be increasing your faith growing your faith making your faith unwavering because most of us waver one day we think we got it Ooh, i can see it coming now i can feel it in the spirit i got a hold of it i ain't gonna let it go And the next day you're depressed and just, I don't know when this is going to happen. Oh, Lord, if I can't go another day. Well, Jesus had to bring this man's faith up to the level where he said, I got it. That's what Jesus, Jesus put that idea in that man's spirit. He says, go home, your son's alive. He didn't say he's going to be alive. He said he's alive now. Why would God put something off? Say he's alive now. Why would he let that boy linger at the door of death? He's alive now. And the man believed what Jesus told him. It's The biggest thing he'd ever done in his life was believe and took Jesus at his word. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, your son's alive. And he inquired of them. When the boy got better, and they told him, and he said, that was exactly the time that Jesus told me he was alive. So now this man's faith is increased. He feels good about himself. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. Didn't walk away in unbelief. He believed God. And when you believe God, you get exactly what you believe for. Amen. It happens exactly according to your faith. And so this young man was raised from the dead because his father dared to believe something he did not yet see. And that's what we're all going to have to do to please God. Either to get uh, take advantage of God's extreme love and his extreme uh, power to heal you are going to have to believe something you have not yet seen. Amen. Because God wants to bring us what's new, what's fresh, what's promised, what belongs to us. You don't want somebody else's miracle. You want your own. You don't want somebody else's car. You want your own car. Amen. Well, some of us don't care, but you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> some that you own the keys to. Amen. You don't have to sneak and take them when somebody ain't looking. Of course, if you're married, you can, I've done it, so what? Put it in neutral and roll it back out there. What, what you say, Poppy? you get to, get to get it running and get to get jump in there while it's moving and start it up? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't start it up in the driveway, they know you got it. Amen? Roll it out back and start it up after you get it on the street. But uh, you want your own, something that's tailor-made for you, something that you know you desire, that you want. God wants to do that. That's how much he loves us. Amen? He loves us so much, he'll give you your own stuff. Amen. All right, why don't we quit? Father, we thank you for what you've done. You've taught us today. You've helped us to learn things that we didn't know before. You, you help us to learn things that we will need to know. So we thank you, Lord God of heaven and earth, to allow us to come into your holy presence and allowing us over and over and over again for that. We thank you for that. Father, I just ask you, everybody bow your heads. If there's anybody here that's never prayed and made Jesus their Savior, want you to slip your hand up. You've never said, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my, thank you very much. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? All right. Thank you, ladies. Praise God. We're going to pray with you. Amen. You take your little mask down for a minute. All right. Just repeat this prayer. Say, Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for my sins. And he wants to save me. I ask you to forgive my sins. And give me a brand new life with you. And I thank you that I am saved, I am born again, and I belong to God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Wasn't that easy? It makes me feel good to introduce somebody to the best thing that ever happened to them. Amen. All right. So uh, we're gonna do, and and we're gonna uh, pray with you, girls. Miss Nola's gonna. Uh, get with you girls before you leave we already have some dinner anyway and uh, no vegetables all carbs look, look 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 Chanel amen yeah carb overload today so uh so we're gonna pray over our our feet meal too father we thank you to bless our bread and our water take sickness from the midst of us thank you there's no death in the pot the prophet touched it. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And also we'll do our confession. Repeat after me. I don't have Rona. And Rona don't have me. I can't get Rona. And Rona can't get me. <laughs> Thank you, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. Amen, amen, and amen. It's so decreed in heaven. Amen. Praise God.